This is the John Oakley Show podcast. On a great day for talk radio, you know, we were just discussing when people are somehow put off, put out, uh, it does become a case for perhaps the law getting involved. And uh, we do have another incident here where uh, we're just trying to wrap our heads around the idea that online hate uh, might lead, you know, someone to have to face some music in a court of law. This is where uh, we go to Ottawa because the online hate hearings, I call them anyway, uh, I guess it was a parliamentary standing committee on justice and human rights, uh, was convened over the last several weeks, and uh, this was Justin Trudeau's initiative. Uh, John Carpe also uh, did weigh in on this uh, about a week and a half ago on this program. He's the president of the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms, and his group is imploring the folks in the committee to uh, tread very carefully because, I mean, this is kind of a moving target when we get to the question of what is online hate. Let's get John Carpe in here, and perhaps he can walk us through what's been taking place up to now. John, always a pleasure. Good afternoon. Glad to be with you and your listeners. So, John, uh, did they conclude the hearings? Or are they still going on? What's the status? I don't think they're going to uh, c- continue on, at least not for the summer. And, uh, you know, whether the Liberal government's going to recall Parliament in September and try to rush through, uh, bring back the um, uh, Section 13 of the Canadian Human Rights Act, that's that's their call. You'd have to ask them. Uh, but for now, we've got a recommendation uh, from the committee to Parliament to um, to bring back uh, restrictions on speech uh, to in order to uh, to um, count combat online hate. And uh, I find it very concerning and dangerous because I, I've yet to meet somebody that can define hate. Uh, it's a very subjective thing. And these days, uh, you get everything's called hateful. I mean, if you disagree with immigration policies the way that they are now, as I believe most Canadians do, uh, that's called hateful. If you're critical of Islamic extremism, Islamic terrorism, jihadism, Islamism, and so on, that's called hateful. Uh, There's cases where pro-life expression has been denounced as hateful. And you've even got feminists who oppose the transgender ideology, and they say, you know, safe space for women, and if you're biologically male, uh, even if you identify as a woman, you should not be allowed into uh, female change rooms and locker rooms. That is also denounced as hateful. Uh, So (laughs) one of the characteristics of a good law is that you you know what you're talking about. I mean, you know, we have a law against murder. We all know what murder is, you know, deliberate, willful killing of another person. But laws against hate uh, are, are a very dangerous thing. Well, yeah, and, you know, I could even extend the context. You've cited several examples, but let's say uh, Bill 21, this recently passed law banning religious garb in the public sector, in certain areas of the public sector in Quebec. If you were to say you support that, uh, then you might actually find yourself on the wrong side of the equation and could be hauled up before, well, I guess it would be the Canadian Human Rights Tribunal, uh, notwithstanding that it is Quebec and they tend to get a pass in these matters. But this is how sketchy it is, and you're right in that sense. I, I guess you're Justice Center prepared a report uh, for these parliamentarians. Uh, it's called Hate or Disagreement, Respecting Charter-Protected Freedom of Expression in a Digital World. You prepared the report. I'm guessing a lot of hours went into this as well as thought. Did they pay it any mind? Well, it's it looks like it's not been 
seriously considered. And same same goes for submissions from from Mark Stein, from Jordan Peterson, from Lindsay Shepard, um, and from the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, which a lot of people would view as a as a left wing group, but a very forceful advocate for uh, for free speech. Um, it, the concerns that were raised um, don't seem to be reflected in the report, and, and maybe we shouldn't be not surprised that you've got a liberal majority uh, on the committee that uh, you know doesn't really seem to have a strong appreciation of, of uh, the importance of free expression and how dangerous it is if when people get prosecuted under human rights legislation. All right. So it was a charade. Basically, they had their minds made up beforehand, just like the Justice Committee, I guess, in the hearings on SNC-Lavalin, where they decided, the liberal majority anyway, to uh, close things off before more witnesses could testify. <laughs> However, uh, and, you know, this, so it goes up there in Ottawa. It's sort of like a star chamber of sorts. My understanding, though, there's a real risk here. You cited it earlier of reinstating the former Section 13 of the Canadian Human Rights Act which was dismantled several years ago uh, with the likes of Mark Stein uh, fighting against this because those were the so-called hate speech provisions and uh, I guess McLean's magazine for having excerpted something from Stein's book, America Alone, uh, they found themselves in hot water with the Human Rights Tribunal. Uh, It was struck, Section 13. They're considering potentially bringing this back into legislation? Yes. There, uh, it might not be called Section 13, and it might be worded differently from previously, but uh, definitely they're thinking of bringing it back, and and that's scary because with with the human rights proceedings, you don't have the defenses that are available um, under the criminal code. If you get, and a lot of people seem to forget, we already have a strong and solid restriction on the willful promotion of hatred against an identifiable group. That's already criminal. That's already on the books. And if you are charged criminally with the willful promotion of hatred against an identifiable group, you at least have the defenses of truth. And you could say, well, uh, you know, what I said, I mean, somebody might feel it's hateful, but this is actually true. You're allowed to raise that. In human rights proceedings, you cannot raise truth as a defense. Uh, they, they don't care about truth. It's, it's all about feelings. Uh, Secondly, if you're criminally charged, another defense is uh, an opinion on a religious subject or a religious text, and that, of course, protects um, Muslims and Orthodox Jews and other religious believers who think that homosexuality is sinful, and that's in their religious texts, and so, you know, that is kind of immune from uh, willful promotion of hatred. and, and lastly, you can even plead the defense that there is a public benefit to a public discussion about the topic that you are raising. So you've got some protections in there for, for individuals and for, for public debate. So that, that's our criminal provisions. I, why we would need or want to go any further than that is beyond me. Well, they're talking about going further because the committee recommended, if I'm reading this right, that the government of Canada develop a working group comprised of relevant stakeholders to establish a civil remedy for those who assert that their human rights have been violated under the Canadian Human Rights Act, irrespective of whether that violation happens online, in person, or in traditional print format. Establish a civil remedy. What could they have in mind? 
Well, probably the the same civil remedies that that we have now under human rights proceedings. It's a bit of a misleading term, though, because in in civil litigation, that would be, you know, uh, car accidents, uh, breach of contract, all of your non-criminal litigation, you cannot bring a frivolous complaint without facing costs consequences. So, for example, if I if I sued you over uh, something and it was just a completely baseless action, I would have to pay you uh, thousands of dollars uh, if if I lost, or even if I serve a statement of claim and you file a statement of defense, and then I want to say, oh, you know, I forget it, you know, I was just joking. Uh, I have to pay you thousands of dollars. But with human rights proceedings, you can file frivolous complaints and drag somebody else's reputation through the mud for being a human rights violator. And then if your complaint is dismissed as baseless and trivial, you don't have to pay a penny to the other guy or the other gal who has, it's just, you know, out of pocket ten or $20,000 in legal fees. So it's, it's a grossly unfair system uh, that, uh, and, and now if you want to extend that to people's speech uh, based on somebody subjectively feeling that something is hateful, uh, you're going to see a lot of people uh, getting hauled before human rights commissions if they go ahead with this. Well, yeah, and uh, I mean, I think one of those celebrated cases uh, it cost Ezra Levant a ton of money, uh, six figures. I guess there was the imam in Calgary who was uh, hauling him before the Human Rights Tribunal, and then it just turned his back, walked away, uh, not out of pocket or penny, and uh, the defendant has to muster their own resources. By the way, uh, you know, what is the rate uh, or, I guess, the percentage of uh, findings in favor of the human rights complainant? Because it's pretty high. It's inordinate, isn't it? It, I don't have the uh, I, I don't I don't have the stats handy. It is it is a fairly high rate, and you know that too is uh, that's not necessarily disconcerting in and of itself per se. You know, it depends on uh, on, on why there's a high rate of of complainants being successful, but it's the whole procedural protections that are lacking. And the fact that these these human rights commissions they they don't rely on or they they don't enforce proper rules of evidence uh, that that are in force in court to to protect both sides, so they can accept hearsay evidence, uh, and and they're very focused on feelings. If if you felt very hurt about something that somebody said, um, we just had a case in BC, a human rights case. There's a a fellow was uh, distributing flyers during the provincial election in British Columbia, which is a time, election time is when you should, ideally should have the, the most public debate. And there's an NDP candidate who is transgender, and this guy hands out flyers saying, uh, well, this NDP candidate is is not a real woman, uh, is is the father of, of, uh, of two children, and has always been a man, will always be a man. And this whole transgenderism stuff is is ridiculous, blah blah blah. And so he hands out these flyers. He was ordered to pay fifty thousand dollars to this uh, defeated NDP candidate for having peacefully distributed flyers. That's what human rights tribunals are about, and and that's the kind of injustice that that they uh, they hand out to people. I mean, that's the the conviction. If you're convicted for impaired driving on a first offense. The penalty is about a thousand dollars, and here somebody's ordered to pay fifty thousand dollars because they uh, distributed flyers 
in which they articulated in pretty strong language, but still, it, it's a flyer peacefully handed out. Well, it was offensive. Let's let's be honest. It was offensive. But are we going to start now uh, criminalizing people who are offensive? Well, that's what the you know the the criminal code uh, restrictions on willful promotion of hatred. Uh, they were severely criticized by former Chief Justice Beverly McLaughlin. She and two other justices, uh, in a minority ruling, it was a tight four to three decision. Uh, but three of the Supreme Court justices said that the criminal code restrictions were actually uh, too strong, too severe, and that they violated the the charter. Uh, so that was narrowly upheld, and that's about as far as as any government should go is is with that criminal law, where at least you have some solid protections for the accused person. Uh, the human rights commissions, like this case in BC, you know, hand out fifty thousand, um, order you to pay fifty thousand dollars for um, hurting the feelings of somebody by way of your political flyers. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, it gets onto that slippery slope for sure, and. Uh... This is something that I guess Canadians should be mindful of, and I appreciate you bringing it further to our attention this afternoon, John. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.